You're listening to Extra Textual, the show where we tell stories about movies while the movies tell our stories. Each episode will bring you a special guest who shares a personal story connected to a meaningful film in their life. Then we share some kind of connected story from our own film experiences. And as always, we learn something new about ourselves and others. Welcome to the show. This is Extra Textual, and I'm Eli Steelage, and with me is... Jeremy Holiday. We've got an exciting show today because one of our most popular topics for this show is Stranger Things. We still get lots of downloads of our past conversations of season one and season two, and so obviously people love hearing about this show, and we know it's popular, so we're bringing conversation about season three finally and we're excited to have a special guest with us jason waller who is a former bbc reporter from uh, across the pond so he's bringing his his perspective on things from not growing up in america and we'll see if there's any differences or how, how you connect we're glad to have you on the show hello Welcome. So we are going to kind of jump right into things and talk about season three. I think this will be a little bit different conversation from what we've been talking about off the show of of what we think of it. So I think it will be fun to kind of break that down. And I think everybody's interested in where this show is going, if we're going to continue to love it as much as we did in the past, um, all those great things. Can I just say, you didn't tell me about that being so popular, the... (laughs) Uh, the season one, season two oh. episodes that you you brought me in for the hate mail, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. People loved hearing great things about the show, but not don't say anything bad about it. Yeah, we can't talk about that. No, we can say whatever we want. So I think uh, let's talk about our experiences watching this season three because I think it's usually the the traditional binge watch for me, especially this show. Not all shows that I watch, but this one I usually um, have to watch though. And I have to say, I have rewatched Stranger Things and I hardly ever rewatch TV shows, mm. um, but I I'm, have been interested to go back and see them. So uh, for you guys, how was your experience of watching season three at least? Well, my yeah. general strategy is mm-hmm. I like to watch the first episode, particularly like the first 20 minutes to see if like I'm gonna be into it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and of I did that. Of any show? Or? Of any show. Yeah, yeah. You know, because then yeah, I'm like, I do I need to plan off a weekend? How <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much is like going to suck me in? Yeah. Um, and uh, I as the, I watched the beginning of this. I watched the whole first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched it with my wife because we'd watched the first two together. And I was mildly interested. My wife was not. Um, and uh, I then watched it, you know, sort of piecemeal over the next couple weeks. Um, it, I mean... It felt a little more like a chore mm. than a treat, mm. uh, but I kept with it because there were it's a show that I like, it's characters that I like, and um, I kept hoping for them to turn a corner. Um, and having finished season three, I, I am excited that they're going to come back with a better season four. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, how about you, Jason? I have a similar experience. Uh, My wife and I watched the first two seasons together. We binge-watched it uh, to almost detriment. Uh, (laughs) uh, There were several nights where we would have gone, went past, uh, it was a school night, but it was past midnight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this time, uh, I think Aaron lasted one episode. And also, it had taken us about three or four weeks past the 
I think it was, was it released when July it was released. 4th? Uh, where, around yeah, it was then. around then, I think. Yeah. Um, and lots of colleagues at work were talking about it. They, they, uh, I got one guy who had, we had watched it together, even though not physically. Yeah, yeah. We'd watched it and we um, had deconstructed it yeah. uh, at work. Uh, after our binge sessions, <laughs> and um, and he kept saying, kept coming. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? I was like, no, no. I've not. And I think there, I don't know what it was. I think there was some apprehension of is it going to be as good as the first two? Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, rats were in it. Uh, like <laughs> I, 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 it's a sign. Yeah, I think so. Exploding rats. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah, boiling exploding it, rat guts. Yeah, not. No, I mean it's it's not what your wife wants to see apparently. No. Um, and so, what I, how I ended up watching it was, um, which is, I don't know, may, may be a little bit into my mental health, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, sometimes I can't sleep in the middle of the night, so I'll watch um, things that my wife won't be watching. And I ended up watching it over a couple of weeks, sometimes mm. uh, two in a row, sometimes uh, half. Mm. Um, and so it was a bit fractured, but I think it was fractured because I, I don't know, I wasn't all that into it um, yeah. all the time. Mm. I would say similar. It's interesting that, uh, I mean, it is such a popular show, but we sounds like we have all watched it with our wives, at least in the past. And yeah. these days, I, we actually don't find time to watch things together very often. Um, my wife did stick with it, uh, but I don't know how... It, Engaged, she was. <laughs> been more like, let's sit down and watch this. It might like, be right. good to say at this All point right. that you do have probably the coolest wife, though. That it, in movie terms, uh, she, she she knows her stuff. She knows she her stuff. stuff. She did go yeah. to film school as well, so yeah. she yeah. is into that. Although lately, she's not been into TV, but that's fine. Um, she yeah, she's a good storyteller and uh, all of that. So yeah, she has good perspectives, and I think she was less into this season than, than other ones um, to pull her in. But uh, I think once we started it, we did watch it pretty quick. But I think it was not as quick that we did jump into it. Like you said, we did wait a few weeks um, before we did. But it, it's weird with this show especially is there is this uh, cultural conversation going on about it. So I think that in some ways is sometimes the pressure on this is like people are talking about it now. I also don't want to hear things to spoil it. That usual, and especially this is is so much um, in the culture about it. And I and I even I think I did hear we heard someone was going to die. And by the way, we we don't worry about spoilers on this, so we can talk about whatever. Okay. Um, and so that did sort of ruin it, and we figured out pretty quickly who was at least allegedly going to die in this season. So we can talk more about the ending later. Um, but I, I am curious, Jeremy and I have talked about how the characters, the setting, um, the pop culture uh, especially, is very nostalgic for us. Um, that I think however much we don't want to feel so strongly like Netflix is appealing to us um, in that way, that this is made for us, at least the first couple seasons, um, bringing all the things into it that we sort of loved uh, in the 80s and um, in the 90s uh, during that time, whether it's, you know, uh, Goonies, Spielberg stuff, Stephen King horror, um, any of that stuff, uh, Explorers, any of those sort of movies. 
about these kids uh, coming together as a group, I think were were things that we related to a lot. But uh, for you, Jason, did you, coming from across the pond, did you have that same experience of nostalgia for this time period? Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah. actually. Uh, mainly from the, pre- the movies of the 80s and early mm-hmm. 90s. Um, I think certainly for me, if I'm not speaking for the whole of the UK, and the <laughs> you are. Of, you well, are I guess I am yeah, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but um, for me, uh, my eyes were on the US um, uh, news. Reagan, love him or hate him, he was a movie star, literally oh, yeah, yeah. a movie star president. Yeah. Um, you had very like Hollywood was just. It was amazing, right? And mm-hmm. also during that time, my teenage life brought out the best teenage movies, I think, probably ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Breakfast Club, Goonies. Yeah. Um, I don't know if E.T. is a teenage movie, but that kind yeah. of, all those kind of movies for, uh, for children that were loved by adults as well. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, just, I don't know, uh, watching, watching them was... Watching Stranger Things brought me back to watching other things, mm. um, which I think it did for a, a lot of yeah. uh, Americans as well. Um, obviously, I didn't live in small town wherever, mm-hmm. um, and suburbia was very different uh, in the UK than uh, than the US. But um, at that time, in the late eighties, early nineties, uh, the end of Thatcher, um, it was quite a dark period in the UK, and. Mm looking across the pond was a nice, bright, shiny Hollywood. Mm. Uh, and it was quite, it was amazing to, well, we all soaked ourselves into it on a Friday night. We got to the movies or rent a VHS copy of something. Mm-hmm. So um, so there's definitely a lot of nostalgia from the movies and TV yeah. that I soaked up mm-hmm. um, uh, as a child and We're teenager. Seeing the same yeah. How about like the experience of the actual characters? Because like you said, actually, Jeremy and I did grow up in very similar towns. You were you were saying that, and uh, and I think I did too. Where we would, you know, we were hardly kept track of. I would just be like, "Hey, I'm going to see this friend." I'd hop on my bike, ride across town, um, and we'd be like, just have to call in a couple hours and be like, "Hey, I'm over here," and they're like, "Yeah, okay, whatever. Be home by you know seven o'clock or whatever." And so I think that experience was very similar um and 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 the sort of dorkiness of these characters to me i was like yeah yeah. uh, i can relate to that and i think that's for me a lot of what it's about is uh identify with two it and we've talked about this like it was very much not uh popular to play D D back then and i actually didn't but i did things like that um, with my friends, but to find that you were sort of the outsiders in some ways uh, culturally, but this show sort of redeems them in like they get to have these adventures where they essentially like save their town or save their friends, um, save the world or whatever from from these things is what you sort of maybe viewed your group of friends could do but did you relate in general to like the characters and their, their experiences well apparently or... my childhood was a little bit stricter than yours my mother didn't let me <laughs> off the leash and go off the yeah, yeah. across town on my bike but uh-huh. uh, I, I mean my childhood was I always had a bike and I always had a ball in my hand hmm. um, 
Uh, baseball, right? Uh, a little bit bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah, right, yeah. And it's, uh, we call it a football, but I, you, uh, I was, uh, we won't yeah. get into that. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, we would always take a soccer ball wherever we went mm. to the park and it would be, we'd put our sweaters down, we mm. call it jumpers, jumpers for goalposts. So you put your sweaters down and it was 45 aside and it was always, whether it was 15-0 by the, almost the end of the game, it was always ended with next goal wins, mm. right? So, mm. uh, and then game was on, right? Then we started, <laughs> yeah, right? Serious, and then yeah. they took about 30 minutes to score a goal. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so, uh, but that was with me and my friends, and we, me and my friends, there was four or five of us. We did have a little gang of ours, mm-hmm. and we, we could have saved the world if we wanted to, and yeah, yeah. drop a drop of a hat in our own minds. Right, um, exactly. uh, and we also had our gang was we had some girls in our gang as well. So the what Stranger Things gave visually mm-hmm. gave me in my head I think a little bit of nostalgia that way as well um, yes the, the those four or five boys um, were my four or five boys mm-hmm. uh, and um, they you could see that the banter that they had with each other and the arguments the arguments and then suddenly forgotten because they do have to save the world yeah. uh, um, it, and also that um, the chemistry between the boy and the girl, but also the friction between the boys when the other boy went off with the girl, and they mm-hmm. and it wasn't it, it was jealousy, but it was jealousy because it's not that they wanted the girl, they wanted the boy back in their gang, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and yeah. I, I felt that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I feel as though there was a lot of uh, that childhood connection wherever you are in the world, mm-hmm. whatever language it's translated in. If you've got if you've had a group of friends that you've had close knit um, growing up with, you you definitely uh, connect with mm-hmm. with those uh, yeah. the, the, that gang in Stranger Things. Yeah, I do think there was this balance in season three that I, that I liked and disliked in different parts where we did see just what you're talking about, where now a couple of them have girlfriends and you know Will character is sort of left behind and they sort of have this confrontation at one point and they're like what did you think we were going to play D for the rest of our lives in your basement you know like there's other things this is like, yes yeah, right. yeah yeah yes i did think that. Yeah, i did think yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so think. part of the i mean i'm gonna be mr complaining about all this so part yeah. of like that moment like out there framed with the rainy garage was like almost perfect mm-hmm. um, but the thing was like those those like that they're still like 13 at this point. Yeah, we young. didn't have those conversations till we were like 22, right? <laughs> and they're like, you know, like, look, like you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you yeah. graduated from college. Like, did you really think that we're, we're you know, like we're going to open our own comic shop or whatever, right? You know? And so like, so like, I, I, I like the general arc of it. Um, and it is like a really powerful moment for these characters, but it doesn't happen when, I mean, it didn't happen for us when it was 13. When we were 13, we were excited about playing D&D when we were 14. And we were 14, we were excited about getting jobs so we could buy our own stuff when we were 15. And it just yeah. kept going. Um, the, the idea that like, when they, when they start to reckon with uh, or turn the corner on like how their childhood is falling apart, like my, my experience of my group, that didn't happen until college. Right, and so it 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 sort of it, I I I appreciated what they were doing with the moment, but I felt like it it, it yeah. was out of place I in could, the timeline of these. I could say guys. I had that experience like more towards the end of high school periods, yeah. or like seventeen, sixteen, where one of our group, you know, like we were all like organized to go do something together, 
Um, and this by this time we could drive cars, so yeah. we like drove over to my friend's house, and he wasn't like responding a lot. And then we found out, you know, he was like with a girl, and it, it just like instantly kind of changed that dynamic of you know like we want you to hang out with us, and his interest is shifting. And of course that that was more important to him at the moment was being with a girl, um, and and we sort of the rest of us didn't quite understand that that dynamic yet. So I, I could relate to that, but I think there was other sort of um, awkward parts. I mean, the a lot of the scenes at the mall um, between some of them were, you know, definitely just be like, look, it's the 80s and we're shopping for 80s clothes. And uh, that, that was that like- That was too forced full, for me. Yeah, yep, yeah. Exactly. Uh, that, and they did have to set it somewhere, mm-hmm. and the mall eighties. Was it the easy option? Uh, it might have been. Yeah. Um, but and but and this new bang. There was a big deal made, wasn't there, about this new sparkly mall mm-hmm. and taken over from the mom and pop shops Taking and things business, like that. Yeah. Um, and but but once you go inside a mall, wherever you are in the world, it's sterile. Mm-hmm. And it's it's shiny and it's polished and it's difficult to get that culture or atmosphere going. So I'm sure it was obviously the script writing's good and they're they're trying to get as much chemistry going as well. Yeah. But rather than being kids mm-hmm. and be and enjoying themselves, getting muddy or, or uh, out in the open on their bikes, um, where their kind of energy is just free flowing, mm-hmm. um, it. I don't know whether it was a metaphorically felt stilted, but it certainly physically and uh, visually felt stilted a little bit. Part of my perspective on the mall was twofold. Number one, um, like my experience of the mall when I was a kid was that the malls I saw on like Saved by the Bell and these other teen TV shows were glorious. My mall was pathetic. It had a (laughs) fountain and it had a like a Slurpee and an American Outfitters and a Spencer's Gifts. And I never saw other kids there. I did sometimes see things that kids would buy at that mall that we would see at school, but it was never, in my experience, ever this like cool party, big hair atmosphere that I saw on the television show. So when in Strange, and so like Hawkins, like I, especially like Will's family, like the the, the difference between Mike's family and Will's family, that was like a huge part of where I grew up. You know, yeah, they were like yeah. families that mm. worked in the coal mines. There were families that were farmers. There were a few families that like owned car dealerships. So there was the guy who owned the insurance company. And like ev- everyone knew who these like families that yeah. had two story houses and they lived in a little like addition kind of place. Um, but when they go into the mall in Hawkins, it's it's like they step into a different universe mm-hmm. where they're now on like a TV show that the kids in Hawkins would have watched as opposed to an actual mall, actual. Yeah. which is like, you know, it's like everyone thinks it's going to be great, but it's actually just a big empty space with a Kmart mm-hmm. um, and, you know, a bunch of other things. And so, it, uh, I mean, it, is that it, what the creators were doing, though? They were creating that. Oh, big, shiny, uh, I don't know, shiny mall for the viewer at the time. Because going back to your point about the the 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds wouldn't have had those conversations. I think I had those conversations in my head. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it might be a British thing that we're not very direct. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, I think I probably would have, whoa, what? And I would have had them on my own, away from whoever. Mm. Then I would have got over it, and then I would, yeah. and then we would have been best friends the following day. Uh, but also, 
the I guess the writers I feel as though I I'm okay with that conversation happening there and then by two people who probably would never have that conversation because they're having it for the writers are writing it uh, yeah. for me who's a 35 40 year old watching 14 year olds but because uh, mm-hmm. nobody wants to really listen to what 14 year olds are actually saying right do they? i don't <laughs> yeah. think so at least um so I, I i'm 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 fine with that dialogue going on as it was um because i'm soaked into it i mean I, I am one of those kids when i was a kid but they're writing for me now uh, as, an, as an adult yeah um but the aim is definitely at our age demographic <laughs> but, but it's because definitely we, i we agree with you it's yeah. definitely a stretch but I, th- I i don't mind that license that the uh, the writers yeah. mm-hmm. uh, writers took the, the next thing i wanted to talk about is billy because billy is a really big part of season three and i there's just a tiny little unrelated thing that i want to say first before i get there which is just this ridiculous claim that i am from hawkins indiana which i'm actually not but like the town that i grew up in um, looked a lot like Hawkins. Mm. Um, and uh, the thing that I like that linked me most to this story initially was that uh, I grew up in a town, an old coal mining town in Pennsylvania. It's called Homer City. Probably talked about it a couple times. But uh, one of the things that was true about it was there was a, a huge coal-fired gener- coal gener- uh, power-generating plant that was actually uh, owned by the New York State Energy Grid and provided a great deal of energy to the state of New York and part to New York City. So that mm-hmm. one of the things we were proud of when we were kids was that we were actually like number 13 on the Russian targets uh, for nuclear <laughs> missiles if they were going to disable okay. I- infrastructure yeah. in so the United States. Take out the power. Yeah. And one of the m- more haunting things uh, about having this uh, giant... Um, generating plant in your backyard is that it had huge smokestacks that you could see from anywhere in town and like every four weeks or so at midnight they would uh send air through the stacks to clear out the soot and it would be like you could hear it for miles it just sounded like a thunderous earthquake yeah um so there's this constant like omnipresent quasi-governmental giant megalopolis at the backside of the town um, so the, the way in which they relate to the, like the Hawkins lab was like, I like totally hardwired into me when I watched the show. Mm. Um, and so, and, and, and like the way, like the way the town and that the lab sort of worked together really meshed with like my experience of growing up in a place like that and in a time like that. So I was like totally in, you know, like it, I know some people have said, well, why do they have this strange lab in the backyard? And I'm like, I, it it's makes, totally it makes total sense to me. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and the Russians built like a bunker under your mall too, right? <laughs> no. That no. Um not that he knows of. Not no. that I yeah, never not just, that, yeah. you didn't spend much time they at the mall. They had a code no. that was really useful for <laughs> different boxes. Anyway, so Billy. Jeremy's yeah. friends didn't save the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we did <laughs> the not. town is gone. <laughs> um so uh Billy in the second season, so two things. Number one, like Billy's weird sexual thing was like absolutely like uninteresting to my wife. Um, She's not into Billy. No, and like I, I always kind of cringe a little bit with uh, him creepily creeping on all the moms. Um, if I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's one of those things. Maybe it did happen in the eighties or whatnot. But like, like that in my little town, like that kind of even innuendo would like. Everyone would find out about it, and that guy would be labeled as a creep really quickly. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that, like, 
part of what I was part of what I liked about Billy is his younger sister Max, and what I the he is a, a, a in the grand story about masculinity is a, is an interesting archetype, in that you know he becomes tough when he's actually soft because of the way his father treats him. Or at least that that's the way it's portrayed in the story, and I think it's it's it's, it's I find it interesting, and mm-hmm. I have sympathy for it, and I like it, mm-hmm. and and his hardness towards Max always pushes that line that he 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 probably conceives of himself as taking care of her, but he's actually being rough on her because that's about the only way he knows how to take care of people. So I am I was excited about um, Billy being a character and having some kind of redemption arc in season three. Um, however, the it was really important for me to say that our writers, like I was not Billy. Billy is not part of the party. He's not one of the protagonists yeah, right. of the story. Mm-hmm. He's an, an NPC. He's a non-player character in the grand campaign. But it doesn't mean that he can't go through things and go through arcs. But he... The, the fact that we focus on him so much, like we're in his body when he's going through all these transformations, it's it's disorienting to what I expect from the show because I'm, I, I'm expecting to be almost always located in the members of the party. Yeah. So I, I like the, the sub points about Billy are number one, from a comedic standpoint, there has to be a scene where Steve <laughs> and Dustin and Billy talk about hair care. <laughs> right and it's like and I mean I'm going to write it for them like Steve says something about like how he works really hard and has these products and Dustin's is like yeah I follow really hard and I have this thing and Billy's like I just get out of the shower every morning and I look like this yeah. right <laughs> you know because yeah. um, there's clearly bits about hair going on mm-hmm. the second part is I, I, I I'm, I'm willing to be invested in um, Billy's redemption arc because in, in my experience and in my life it's like uh Having not been him, but watched other people who are like him go through things, it's something that I have. I would like to see it because, in my experience, people like Billy self destruct or become really terrible. So I, I, I would, I'm, I'm willing to let our authors redeem him, which they do in season three. But my problem with it is that he, they get away from what makes him most interesting to me, which is his relationship to his family, and I think that Billy, like Billy's redemption arc done properly, is like some evil threatening Max that is somehow related to his father. Mm-hmm. He stands up to that, defends Max, cries and is soft to her and throws off the, you know, the the toxic masculinity father that had been like forcing him to be this way his entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, if they were trying to embody that in the giant gut monster, they were not able to they do it for me. Because, right, yeah. like, you know, I mean, and this, you know, I don't know. What I thought, I mean, they have zombies, right? So, like, zombies are a great way to have people metaphorically work out relationships with evil people. His dad needed to be a zombie. He needed to cut his head off or something like that. Because yeah. I, like, I, as, as much as I liked a lot of what they did in form and in style... Like, the pieces that they used to signify the meaning were, like, crazy. Like, it was cool they fired fireworks, but, like, that's a first draft. And you X that out, and you <laughs> yeah, come up with right, something yeah. better. It's a literal fireworks show. Right? Yeah. Um, and, 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 like, I, I – there was so much invested in what Billy was doing. Um, I personally – like, Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood says, like, writing evil characters is easy. Yeah. Right? But writing good characters is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just – they just sort of like Billy seemed like a character. They're just like ah, oh, whatever. He's just a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just terrible. And ah, oh, this evil thing is just dev-. like they just. There was not a lot of subtlety in the things that were going on, and it. Um, and I think it took away from what could have been. I think a really powerful story that was stayed tight, even though it had bigger things with Russians. It stayed mm-hmm. tight. So could it have been saved with the Billy character being 
a different one of the boys. Billy character went through, was overtaken by, what did you call it? The dark, the, the, the big monster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, the, in, the, in Stranger Things 1, the, the, I forget the boy's name. Will. Yeah, Will was taken over from, mm-hmm. and we felt sorry for him, and we were, but we only felt sorry, we didn't know him so well, yeah. because it was early on when he was overtaken, um, and there was that little bit of uh, detachment from him, but you were, you, you loved his family, yeah. and you wanted yeah. him to, you wanted them to, and, to and save him. And loved his group of friends. Yeah. Winona Ryder sells it because of how much she cares for Will. Mm-hmm. Yes, yep. yes. To buy in. Yep. So, if you'd have cared for the character even a little bit more, could it, could that have driven the emotions a little bit more throughout the the, the season? And if so, who was a good? Qu- I mean, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, because he was only introduced in the second season. Yeah, yeah, a small yeah. Role and that. he was, he's exactly how you described him. It's kind of an unlovable, lovable rogue. He yeah. wasn't even a lovable rogue, was he? Mm-hmm. He's just. Well, yeah. so, and you, you want to slap him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Part of it is like I, I feel like I knew like when I was a kid, I there were kids like there was like guys who were seniors at high school, like who drove cars and like they <laughs> went to university and you know like um or you know, or like there was, you know, a guy who raced motorcycles, like like I who I would like things I would never do and they like had sex with people, which is not something I really knew anything about in high school. You know, and which I think that is who Billy is in this constellation of people. But they make him like but none of those people in my world at least were like attempting to seduce people's moms. Um and and I like I I at least as far as I know. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and he—they the, just seemed like that's a level of despicableness, and and I maybe being nostalgic here. That is like something that you see in like modern television, um, like a dis, like that level of despicableness. Um, but I just—it uh, just seemed out of place in the story. I'm happy with him being bad, and I'm happy with him being sexual. But like the the way in which like certainly the crossover between him and like Mike's mom, I was like. This is it. Just it. It didn't seem to work for me. They also did spend <laughs> too much time on him in general. I think you're correct in that. Like it, it did. Do you say? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they just went into like his transformation so much and all that, and and it wasn't particularly interesting because we didn't have a lot of investment in who he was. Right. Um, I mean, that could have just well, been happening. In the well, I mean, what I wonder yeah, then, yeah. Did, if we'd it? have in, the investment that we'd had mm-hmm. from series one and two, yeah. would uh, one of the other boys or one of the girls yeah. uh, that have been taken over, would we have had more investment then uh, in them saving her or him? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if you make someone like Mike, who's kind of the angriest of them, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, like, because then you could have scenes where it's like, you know, people aren't sure if he's possessed or not. I mean, I think there's ways it can work with it. Right, yeah. and, and again, like I, I don't, I, I try to be as, oh, I try to be as generous as I can in that, like, so if they set up the form where they want it to be Billy, which in 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 D and D terms, he's an NPC, right? He's a non-player character. He's run by the DM. He's not run by any of the people there. And we can follow him on a journey, but it's, but we're focusing on our journey with him. Right, it's about how Max interacts with him and how the party interacts with him, and we just spend so much time at the pool, 
Yeah. With him looking at people freaking out, um, not being himself, that... Um, I think two things I want to mention. Yeah. I mean, we found out some of the character characters that they didn't develop in the past that became really weak in this season because they haven't developed them. Yeah. And I think some of the um, male characters, like Jonathan, who is sort of like the quiet, mysterious one in the first couple seasons, mm-hmm. and this season is just kind of boring. I mean, it... it I did like the element of um, sort of class that came up between him and Nancy. Like, yeah. he needs this job at the yeah. newspaper, and she's just kind of like, I don't know, I could quit, and like, yeah, our yeah. family's going to be fine. And I like that, but otherwise, he's kind of boring. He doesn't really do anything else. Uh, and then I think Will doesn't have anything to do, and like you said, he's hardly in season one, technically, because yeah. he's just, like, gone. In season two, he doesn't do very much, and now here he's just kind of there to be, like, a monster detector that pops up, right? When he feels the tingle, he says, oh, the monster's here. And so I think maybe Jonathan would have been an interesting character to have sort of go bad because you wouldn't suspect it. In right, ways. yeah. You yeah. have him just sort of... Because he's not one of the younger crew. Um, but That would also draw Will into like, saving him, I think. Right, you care more about yeah. them. The other element that I wanted to bring up, and I think it's it goes back to a lot of the problems you guys are pointing out with this season is that they? I think they thought of a bunch of fun elements that they wanted to do, whether they're nostalgic, they're 80s related, the mall. I think they wanted to make like an ickier creature sort of thing than we saw even in the other ones um, yeah. to make that. Uh, they wanted this Terminator type character. Rush- they wanted Russians in general to bring in it, this sort of Cold War um, aspect. And so I think it felt like they thought of those ideas first and then kind of like, how do we wedge these things into the story to make the make it fun and nostalgic instead of starting with what story do we want to tell about these characters? Yeah, and I think that's that was a lot. Because I want to know more about the Upside Down and this sort of threat coming from that. And it seems like the last two seasons have just been like, well, here's like a, a little more minor threat sort of related to that world yeah. it's you know this season well, I mean, is just like hey something's left right. I mean, left so, around so if we just if we just out. take like one of like i would say like one of the classic examples of dealing something like this you take like almost uh, any of like the classic lovecraft tales right mm-hmm. a lot of mystery you're not sure what's going on you get a glimpse behind the door you get like you encounter like terrible depraved humanity you encounter like evil evil demon sorts of things and then there's a portal and then you go to the other side and you either are consumed by it or you're able to correct something and then make your way back, right? It's a, every classic hero's journey. Like you have to go into the pit of death. You have yeah. to go into mm-hmm. the pit of whatever it happens to be. You have to go to the heart of the, um, the labyrinth. And so my hope is and that in the long arc of the, of the show, they will go there. Yeah. You know, they will gather their sacred weapons, their best team members, <laughs> their best cohesion, and they will go through, willingly go into the scariest place, as all heroes do, to the heart of evil and either trap it or sterilize it or something like that. And so I, um, the speaking about the Upside Down, mm-hmm. at the end of the second season, they're at a dance and like the evil thing is looking over top of them and like that yeah. divide was great mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer I mean this is classic <laughs> high stakes bad, low yeah. stakes low stakes high stakes um, and it was great and 
But we start the second, start the third season, like totally gone from that. It's totally yeah. like, like it doesn't. I mean, like it was so cute to see them so worried about who was gonna touch who where at the dance, right? It was a, a it was a return right, in yeah. some sense to the Shire, mm-hmm. to the basic things in life. Right. You know, thinking that they had got away from it, but they didn't. Um, and and I wanted it. To, I mean. I wanted it to start from there, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and and one of the things that I, I have always loved about, like, say you take Buffy, like, there's there was always school, right? There was always school and outside of school. Regular there was school stuff, and yeah. slang, regular life and slang. And I, I noticed that shows that, like this, like, there's almost no school in the third season. I know mm-hmm. it's, like, taking place in the summer, summer and that's yeah. an excuse for it, but there's a whole interesting world of their lives, which is school, which is not part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um and I miss it because it grounds them as being teenagers. It grounds them in terms of their story about things that I really identify with. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I do feel like most, I'm trying to think of some examples now and I can't, but most sequels that I think should start somewhere start completely somewhere else. Yeah. And I think that actually is probably a good thing for the... Well, it's it's the writer messing you, with the viewer's head, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doing, yeah. Like, and he, where with are they going with this? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. are they doing? Yeah. Why didn't they start at the dance? Mm-hmm. Well, because they have another story to tell us about rats that explode in a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a giant pile of something or other. I did appreciate, on a couple of levels, that they let Winona Ryder be more normal this season though even though i appreciate the emotion she brought to the show and show in general just like the first two seasons she's been in like constant like manic worry mode um to the extreme and this season she got to be a little lighter and funnier and they kind of go on this adventure with hopper and the car and they're fighting but like sort of flirting um and being sort of a, a nostalgic fan of winona Ryder in general uh, well, I I'm very disappointed that she's grown up. Right? I know, right? I'm what very happened? disappointed she's not the teenage <laughs> young woman in the movie because that means I'm getting old. Yeah, I know, right? It's really annoying. Yeah, yeah. She's got I, kids, I, yeah. I did, I really loved the image of her. So I hated most things about the mall and like like the, the mall protests just seem ridiculous. Like I, I never heard of it. Like that's something that would happen now. But like in the eighties, yeah, like yeah. like there were like that consciousness. Well, they didn't realize was, what was happening, did they? You, we had no idea. Right, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just good. Yeah. So that was I was like, this is not you know, this is like two thousand and eleven, and this is Walmart. Like, please. Yeah. Um, but I did love the way it provided this contrast for her to be like holding down the fort at the drugstore. Mm-hmm. That was an image that I just thought was fantastic. And even mm-hmm. you know, because like on two levels, one, it like seeing the shots out of the window with her. I mean, and I think they did it intentionally, like because you have you you miss um, uh, Samwise being there with her, um, which is part of her wow. character in this. Yeah, Bob, yeah. part of her character oh, yeah. in this yeah, season, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I appreciated that. I was like, oh, like that, because that that yeah, relationship yeah. was good, and and it also like again, like that is a person that I knew, like you know, like they were in my small yeah. town, yeah. and they like worked this job maintaining the drugstore on Main Street. When you know, no one else really, when it was just the, all the other stores were run by like teenagers because nobody else could afford to pay real staff, and they you know worked for a low wage just so they could keep part of the you know town center alive, mm-hmm. and that I really liked, and I, I also I I liked in form. 
the way she was the one that kind of figured out the mystery. I think the it, that was really terrible how it actually worked out because it it didn't really matter that it was a magnet. I, like it, it all was just messy. But the the idea of it that she is the one sort of quietly observing that comes up with the solution was something that I really liked. And and it, it felt like. She had, I also felt like there's a part that she felt settled where she was frantic before and like things were going okay for Will and for Jonathan and that, and that, and that made sort of her leaving at the end even more sad. Mm. And I I thought that that was a part that was really well done that I liked. Mm. Because I I just, I mean, I mean, part of what I feel that was similar to Hawkins to where I grew up is like it was a, it was a town in decline. I mean, it was, it was rusted before any of us were born and we were just there to watch the, I mean, you know, like my father was a coal miner, and there were coal miners, but he was—they were the tail end of them. By the time I was a teenager, there were there were none left, you know, and there were just these giant industrial monuments to coal mining that just got rustier and rustier and yeah. rustier every year. And we were just in a town that was, you know, in perpetual autumn, sliding to winter, um, and that is Britain. Oh, you you yeah. grew up in Britain, did you? <laughs> wow, <laughs> well, yeah, that's why we get along. Yeah, and and that was. Um, you know, and so, and that's why, like, Jonathan is a character who seeks beauty in that, is a character that I, like, that I always appreciate. I was also a photographer when I was young, so, like, I have deep connections with that character about that place, you know, the archetype and constellation of characters that go into that. Um, and so, but it was, it, it was weird to square, like, the decline of Hawkins with this, again, this mall. Like, how is it so, like... Where yeah. like where are the where the where's the money that's going in to build this mall? And where are the people to populate the mall? Yeah, like, and, 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 and before, I think what yeah. I mean like the the way I could imagine it in my own world growing up is like further away, connected to a bigger town or something. Yeah, that's um, the way it was, and because I I actually had well I won't say a similar mall experience because it wasn't that hopping when I <laughs> like there wasn't that many people. Um, just hanging out, but we definitely, that was like a place we would go, and we had a nice mall, but it wasn't directly in our town. We had to travel a bit to get to it, but it was something we did enough yeah. that teenagers would congregate there because you could sort of be free from adults inside somewhere, so it was mm. that sort of setting, uh, you know, or even you could go with your parents, but not be with them, you know what I mean? You could still go with your friends um, and have that space, but yeah, I, for a very small town like that, I don't think it was the same experience. So it's changing topics a little bit, but yeah. I, I, I wanted to make sure we get got to this comment that you made, Jason, when we were um, sort of warming up here, which was about, I was talking about, you know, how the third se- season was disappointing, and you were saying, well, you know, you asked us about Oasis, and right. you had talked about um, it as being like the third album. It's a difficult third album, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So... My theory is, having just talked about it about five minutes ago <laughs> before we, uh, we started recording this, um, the first two albums, Four Oasis, the Definitely Maybe in, and uh, What's the Story, Definitely Maybe was them getting outside of their bedroom, getting into the, into the world. They had, they had songs. Um, Noel Gallagher had come back from touring with uh, in Spiral Carpets, who was uh, he was the roadie for them. He wasn't allowed to be their lead singer. He auditioned for them, so he he came to his brother's band. I know too much about Oasis, apparently. <laughs> um, and um, they had a few songs, and they 
um, and just started working on them. And I think they had a catalogue. The, the, the legend, at least, is that they had a catalogue of about 80 songs. And Noel Gallagher always said they were a three-album band. Then they were going to do some psychedelic punk opera or something. <laughs> right? That's basically, looking back, now him saying... I haven't got a clue what we're doing after the third album because <laughs> all I've got is this list yeah, yeah. of songs. Um, but that last list of songs also went into a lot of their B-sides and singles and their B-sides are an album in themselves, right? So they um, created two very, very, very good albums in my opinion. In fact, I would say brilliant albums in my mm-hmm. opinion. And they also captured the zeitgeist at the time uh, with them and other guitar bands. It was a kind of um, a rebellion against the grunge era for, for the UK and it was the UK getting back to its own music style yeah. um, and so they had their two albums and they had Glory and it was great and then their third album just died it got five stars reviews mm. because all the journalists were eating it up and thinking it was great, but it hardly it, it didn't get uh, yeah uh, it, as soon as they bought it they I mean I think it's all five million but <laughs> but I've listened to it three times I think mm. be here now um, and so that that cr- creativity that um, that had been in them for 23 years mm-hmm. that created the first two albums once they had toured the world once they'd um uh, gone a little bit separate from the world that they were talking about they were working class boys talking about working class dreams they were living their dreams after the second album and they did not know how to connect with their audience with it um so i don't know if the writers are like that mm-hmm. but they've we talked about it earlier they have been um, <clears throat> they've been writing this Stranger Things probably for years the first mm-hmm. season probably had ideas as they were writing the first season for the second season and they did they run out of ideas for Stra- uh, Stranger Things 3 but it's hard so I mean I think that like just the way that like you analyze the way uh, uh, Oasis like created music over the course of their early career. Um, I think the same is true for folks that make television um, as well. I mean, and I think that in the age of dropping, I mean, I think like a Netflix series um, is much more uh, akin to an album uh, Mm. than uh, it has been in the past. Standard TV. Right. I mean, because like, yeah. I mean, you know, like, I, I, I don't know all about production and whatnot, but like when they were making Friends or other sorts of sort of episodic sitcoms or even things like Quantum Leap that had, you know, th- threads that went through them, I don't think that they had the whole thing planned out when they started the season. I mean, the idea that you would have a 10 or 12 or 18 or 22 or 24 episode arc. Uh, planned out at the beginning of a show was not something that was going on in the 90s. So I, I think that like um, there is a much higher demand to have a fully formed concept for each season. And, and whether that's a, you know, like a 10-episode season or even like Castlevania, which I love the crap out of, is like a four-episode season. Right, sure. But it's a concept and it's an arc. Um, and I think that maybe maybe it's true that you like you burn through ideas a lot faster. I mean, like season one is just chock full 
of all kinds of stuff. And even season two, like, there's complaints about that punk episode with Elle, but I think it's great. Certainly because, like, my older brother was into punk. Like, there was this, like, American fascination with punk that didn't quite go all the way to punk, but was, like, used that as an aesthetic that early, where we came from. Yeah. People listened to industrial music, which, and they were goths, but they weren't quite... You know, like not the Marilyn Manson goths, but like the Ministry, Skinny Puppy, Big Black, those kinds of folks, right? Um, and so I, I think that um, it's. I thought they all listened to the. But kill. it served the the story more. <laughs> Only right? the happy ones. <laughs> <laughs> but the first two seasons served the characters in the story better. Yeah. Again, like the third season is like we've got lots of ideas, but it's just going right, to. be I, kind I just of kept a thinking about all those jokes out. that were made in season three of Dear White People, like da da da. It's like a third, you know, like a yeah. Uh, third season of a Netflix show. Uh, what I think is like the, the line I'll use is from uh, The Hobbit when like uh, Bilbo describes himself as butter spread over too much bread. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's um, yeah I say this about a lot of stuff. The, the, the binge writing as we're, as we're yeah. binge watching. Yeah. I mean I think this is the classic Lost problem which I don't, you haven't watched Lost but they, they, the writers have admitted now like it was so popular and that was still in the traditional like 22 episode seasons. And, you know, the um, studio and stuff was just like, keep cranking them out. Like, keep it going as many. And they were like, well, we don't really know where we're going. Like, we need to know when this show is going to end. Like, we need to know how many seasons so we can hit that end point and make it. And so they admit, like, the middle, like, the third season, the fourth season are, like, stalling. Like, they're just trying to, like, put stuff out there until they can be finally told them, like, oh, you're going to do six seasons. And most long seasons... uh, uh, not long running shows mm-hmm. do tend to have a muddy middle, a difficult yeah, true. Yeah. fifth, sixth, seventh season, don't mm-hmm. they? I, I mean, that is a dare I say sort of an American thing because uh, <laughs> too many the, the British, uh, British quite famously don't produce enough uh, or as much as what people want. the The original Office. Uh, is it six episodes first season six episodes second and a Christmas special yeah. um, I'll go back to the 70s and 80s of uh, John Cleese's post um, Monty Python uh, Faulty Towers it's repeated on the BBC constantly everyone <laughs> thinks there's thousands of them there's only 12 right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember watching all of um uh, Flying Circus when it was on Netflix and like lo- you know, loving it and then my brother who had talked about Fall of I watched it and I was like oh where's the other seasons and he's like no that's it yeah. you've I was, seen no, that them is all it. that is makes 12. sense I was always confused when I was young about British shows because I was like I don't know how many also we didn't get them in the exact seasons here in America right, yeah. you did no, but, but I was like I don't know but, how many but the, I mean the British TV is different to the commercial American TV mm-hmm. especially with the BBC uh, the BBC doesn't need to elongate everything and yeah. make all the money uh, mm-hmm. from it all and um, it, it gives until people just want that little bit more and then stops yeah um, which I actually love because um, yeah, it doesn't mean it, I don't know it's it, uh, yeah I do love I, it. I mean I think it has functioned in, in contrasting some of my favorite BBC shows with some of my favorite American shows they're far more condensed mm-hmm. um, even like thinking of like the when Mark Gaddis and what's his name did Sherlock. I mean, first yeah. first season was four episodes. 
Yeah. And they were fantastic. First one, I mean, I mean, like... Yeah, seasons in general, I think, were only three episodes. Yeah, yeah. From there, yeah. I mean, it gets to, like, concentrate their right. and creative so juices, Right, and so I guess right? what I, like... The, there's two things I want to say. The first one is, one thing that was surprising to me about the third season was I thought the actual production values were better than the second. There were a number of things, particularly in the first and second episode of the second season, that you could see editing mistakes. Or, I mean, like, things were a bit off. You know, like, it was thrown together a little bit rushed, yeah. and I was like oh yeah like rushed mm-hmm. right but with the third season none of that like totally polished all the way through um, the second point is uh, just imagine a different world in which they took a year and a half to make season three I think it would have been very different and and because like I mean I know that there's this like insatiable demand to have something and make money and for Netflix to enforce their brand and to have some sort of competitive advantage over the others but from an artistic standpoint I, it just I, I sometimes regret that they had to make this one now, right? Because mm. I think probably if they had another two, three, five years to think about it, season three would be better. I mean, that's my worry for uh, fourth season, which we've had some sort of teaser, right, with Hopper in it, which makes me think it's coming out this year already. Yeah. Um, within the year. <laughs> So, Listeners, I'm sorry, yeah. but you should see Jeremy's <laughs> face. The disgust. I can feel it okay. here across okay. the table. That's right. <laughs> but actually, I, I, you were talking earlier about Hopper and the Upside Down and that. He, has he escaped to the Upside Down and he's now, now that there might be that entryway into the better season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah. might have only got one season to kind of get over uh, before we get a real classic uh, for season four, potentially. Yeah. I mean, let, uh, all yeah. of us around this table were hoping that would be season three, obviously, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But um, you can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's been a few hint of things that we'll throw out. Uh, I, I've heard somebody point out in this last letter to L, there's sort of this... Uh, wording that sounds a lot like he's sort of trapped in the upside down. He oh. talks about being in a cave and um, hopefully I'll come out of this or you'll come save me. Uh, I think we do get some challenges to what we think because Elle's lost her powers, right? So um, maybe she'll have to go f- on a journey to get those powers back or um, to rediscover herself and some of that stuff. And also we talked about, which is both sort of awkward and some people have pointed out, it might hint at something that there's almost like the ending goes back twice in the timing. Like they're leaving to move and they get in the car and go and then it like comes back again to her. Is that when she's reading the letter? Yeah. And then they sort of like say goodbye again. It's so just kind oh, of like a weird haunt. editing. Yeah, right. um, but there's also, people point out, there's a lot of references to uh, Back to the Future in this season. Like, I think it's playing at the theater. Or do they actually go see it, go watch it? I can't remember. Uh, at least it's playing at the theater. And so some people are hinting maybe this has to do with time travel. Um, and so we may discover yeah. that's why there's kind of these like two disjointed things that happen like they leave twice because maybe they they have to redo some of the stuff so i've heard a lot of people talk about time travel in the next season so i don't know if that's something i necessarily feel like they needed to add an element like they have enough going on um weird stuff but i think it it could get interesting so what they would go back to the 80s yeah i don't know (laughs) it, it seems like that would be a 
yeah well, I, I thought the maybe natural it, place but also a too e- if i've thought of it it's yeah, too yeah. easy yeah. um that would be like the seventh season right yeah well, right. well now it's technically the 90s but we need to go back to the 80s for nostalgia right maybe we'll make yeah, it popular i'm just gonna plant my flag in i hope there's not time travel involved um there there's only uh, yeah yeah. Um, I, I think that there are um, plenty of ways to have fantastical, really cool conflicts and stories that mm-hmm. don't involve things which require me to like suspend rudimentary common sense in order mm-hmm. to do. Time travel is super cool, and I think that it's really interesting to play with. Um, but I think that you already have. So I, I think uh, so. Classify things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, heaven. Um, uh, multiple dimensions and time travel. Um, They're all essentially physical places or ideas that individuals conceive of or think about when you don't think you can achieve success in this particular world, right? Mm. You, this world is too terrible, so you think You're of heaven. Else, this yeah. uh, timeline is doomed, so you need to jump to another alternate reality and do it. Same with time travel. Like we've already messed it up. We need to go back and fix it. Um, and there's there are other ways to tell that kind of story and that kind of des- like overwhelmed desperation with things that doesn't involve time travel. Because I have yet, I mean, there are a couple good time travel stories that I like, but I I generally find that I I just have to believe someone's conception of how that is going to work <laughs> in order for me to get what we're going to get at and I don't want to do that mm-hmm. and I think like there's enough cool stuff in this world what about all those other people that Elle left behind in the punk episode right like if she doesn't have powers and she needs to go save Hopper like get the Scoobies together and mm-hmm. fucking go to Russia yeah and it's a little becoming like X-Men-y yeah. Um, with these different powers that right, yeah, people yeah. have, and they might have to gather together um, to fight this evil thing, which is cool. And and one thing I did want to bring up is the, uh, which we haven't really talked about, the group of like Steve and Dustin, and we meet Robin. Um, and what's the little sister's name? Erica. Uh, Erica, that helps them out. And Who, I, I even though I said Erica, I thought she was the star of this season. <laughs> She was. Yeah, the breakout. She yeah. was. Yeah. She was the person who said everything that you wanted others to say, or mm-hmm. you wanted you to be as cool to say yourself, yeah. sort of thing. Um, and she was just not afraid of anyone, was she? And yeah. she was the the youngest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the symbolism in that, but uh, yeah, no, I just I loved her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sort of act as that way of kind of breaking down what we like you said what we're thinking and how we view these characters and they're like hey you guys are <laughs> kind of being idiots or whatever you know like we just need to take care of business or, and she also yeah. comes out of nowhere which is yeah. part of what the true joy of a character like that is mm-hmm. I mean she's yeah, around she's, uh, well she's, she's Lucas's sister isn't she yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then she suddenly comes into the ice cream store right, right and yeah. then suddenly she's part of the gang yeah. or she's part of the literal gang and I guess maybe she the Russians. a little bit yeah, yeah since we saw her before so she's a little more do you remember her from before I don't actually I don't uh, I'll be honest I do they, they just have like small things of like have... she stole a toy you know like okay he and, yelled and at her you know as the sister is in the second season where she's supposed to relay like a message through the radio or is that in the third I mean that could be I don't know if she's quite that involved in the second season okay. I'm trying to remember yeah, yeah. Um, there's one thing that I can't get out of the third season without saying and Mm -hmm. 
uh, it is this. So one of the things that I loved, uh, so we just take, uh, one of the things I loved about the first season was like there's this uh, evil thing mm-hmm. uh, that nobody can fight. Like they don't know how to, they shoot with bullets, it doesn't die. And uh, there's theoretically one person who could possibly defeat it. And the story is really tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sort of narrowly escape death a few times through a little bit of ingenuity, a little bit of luck. Um, uh, they had their, that friend at the pool who didn't escape and ended up dying. Yeah. And it felt like the stakes were nice and solid. Mm-hmm. In the third season, I, I, it just there were so many times when I think I was talking with Jason about it, the Russians became stormtroopers, where like they have like machine guns yeah. and they're ten feet away and they are unable to hit anything. Mm-hmm. They're yep. trained Russian killers, and and I think there was once, maybe twice. Where our hero, our group of heroes escape by like outrunning this giant four-story pile of guts in a station wagon, stuff, like yeah. by inches. <clears throat> um, and and I just in, in the first season it felt like, and even the second, almost all the times that they avoid dying, that it, it's well thought out, and there's a reason mm-hmm. why. Um, in the second, in the third season, it just seems to be luck over and over and over again, and it really. Ridiculous, and luck. they keep using Elle the same way in this season. Like yeah. they don't advance that. They're always sort of like, "Oh, she's too tired to use her powers," but she does and holds <laughs> it off. And then that's just yeah. like continuously what happens. She just uses the same powers yeah. every time they confront that creature, um, and even into the end. So I, I mean, I guess eventually they take away her powers going into the fourth season. But nothing. We didn't learn anything new about her in that way. Um, to be able to do it. And, and you're right, like, they're in this confined space, at least when they're, like, yeah. in the underground bunker, and they these kids can still kind of run over, run wherever they want to and get away. Yeah. Um, but I, I overall, I did sort of enjoy that adventure that that group went on, um, yeah. where they sort of, like, haphazardly fell into this adventure, yeah. um, I, going deep into that. I also have to register this other complaint, and I, I know I'm being... Mr. Nugget over here, but like I, the the never ending story musical montage, mm-hmm. I I, uh, yeah. I I liked it. Uh, yeah, I, I did. Eli did too. I I mean you made I, the I, point. It's like, the only redeeming part of the love's <laughs> end, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you've uh, just not got a romantic bone in your yeah. body, have you? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I get. I, you I made love musicals. Go, yeah, that uh, it. It was mostly for nostalgic sake that they were using the reference. You know, like there wasn't a lot of story reason to include it in there, but I think it still worked enough. And it sort of like does sort of encapsulate what these characters are into and what they're sort of striving for is like this fantasy they sort of create in their head together as a group. Uh, playing D and D together, or whatever, and then like facing the reality of that sort of breaking down in this season. I think what they see, but yeah, Jeremy's I, holding I, something so, back. Like um, again, trying to rehabilitate as much as possible. I like mm-hmm. the idea that like we get like we're confirming Dustin's girlfriend at the same time as we're like mm-hmm. saving the world from mm-hmm. the Russian nuclear thing, mm-hmm. and there's science and nerdery and. All that kinds of stuff. Like, it's just, uh, it, like, it made it, because, like, that happens, and it happens around the same time when they're fighting the, the big demon or the big beast in the, um, the mall, the mall yeah. which is like I'm supposed to take Billy dying seriously, and here, and like, and they have like the little cutaway, like, yeah. little windows. I, it, 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 like, 
I'm, I was I was okay with it being part of it, but I, I wanted to. Have, yeah, I was just too. I was like, people are. With the other two seasons, when when you got to the final part at the end, it was serious. Mm-hmm. Like Bob yeah, dies yeah. and it's sad. Yeah, you know, like they finally are able to get Will back, mm-hmm. right? And it, it it starts off the both season one and season two start off with we're having a good time. There's a dark omen. Mm-hmm. We deal with that. Well, that what is brought up by that dark omen, and then we return like through seriousness to this world. And I, it was it was just too silly. Yeah. And it was like I am watching like a show that is put together through the most popular fifteen hashtags of the people that like the first two seasons. <laughs> um, and I love I love the never ending story. Right. I, I mean like um I just love it. So so would you have had a different song that would have been like Flash Gardens? No, if I would have done it like different moments. Dustin would have been serious and she would have been playful and he would have somehow convinced her of the seriousness of it he would have totally sung the song and we would have gotten it but like she like they would have connected to the seriousness of what they're doing which like lend because the minute that happens like I don't like there are no real threats right if you're gonna stop for uh, two minutes and exactly. some odd seconds and sing a song there's not really a threat and 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 I and part of this because of how I've been reading the rest of it like I really needed to like be actually nervous about something bad happening because currently, like you, you're, you, you cannot be shot by Russian bullets. You cannot be killed by a giant five-story, six-story, seven-story, um, shambling mass of human and rat guts. Um, th- there's got to be something like is actually going to happen. There's, and, and and the first two seasons felt that way. You know, maybe they weren't going to die, but something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I still like I like the second end of the second season with L like closing the rift. And like you know, Hopper like shotgunning demon things. That was great, man. I mean, and it was it was totally like ridiculous '80s movie poster. Yeah, right. Yeah. But it was Predator, also like yeah, I also yeah. cry a little bit because it's yeah. like because there is such this like they're the working as a team. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I I that's like you know if I were in that writing room I'm like okay okay I like your idea I, you know it's got to be the lover secret song I get that. Um, but we also like have to somehow make whatever the hell it is they're trying to disable over here still a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and also like it's a you know I, I thought there was going to be a moment when like Dustin gets to kind of grow up a little bit because the idea that the, the dynamic that I loved of him coming back to the group, having been at camp all summer and having had a girlfriend, like he was at the bottom of the pile and now he's at the top, but they keep pushing him down. So this mm-hmm. is the moment where he like shows that he actually has all this other stuff. And I think yeah. that's what they were going for too. But breaking into song um, a la 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 Land in a, in a show that is not a musical was a bridge too far. But in tune with Dustin's character. Because yeah. he's, uh, he's, he's yeah. always going to let himself down, really. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. True. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think of the new Robin character who works with Steve? Which happens to be Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. Oh, really? She, she yeah. looks like both of them. Okay. Yeah, right? She's like a perfect combination yeah. of those two. Because um, I thought she was pretty good. I liked her a lot. I liked the chemistry between yeah, the, those two. two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the end of the storyline as well, where she ended up being gay and he was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Unrequited love. We've all had that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I, I, really, I thought she was a very strong... She was a strong character, strong female character mm-hmm. as well. Um, 
I don't know. It, I was going to say it's funny that, but I don't know if it's funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got Robin and Erica being with one of the stars of this of season two, mm-hmm. uh, and those two both outshone him. Yeah, yeah, kind of stole the scenes. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I like the scene where he sort of finally comes to the understanding of like, oh, I can like this sort of geeky girl because we sort of have this connection. I can kind of leave this. Um, this masculine idea of who I am behind, and then we get this twist of, well, actually, she's not interested in him. Is what we thought was going to happen. Um, so I, I did appreciate that he still has growth through that. But you're right; he's sort of heartbroken, and I think that adds to it. Um, and we get this interesting character twist on on what we expected to happen. And a bit like myself, I like the fact that I don't like this, but mm-hmm. I like that he was not as cool he was way cooler in his own head yeah than he was yeah. to the outside world yeah, yeah. and i liked that character i like that inner character mm-hmm. uh you don't often see that i'm cool i'm the greatest i'm funny and then completely dying no well, laughter and so i and mean everyone's yeah. shouting back at him and but him still getting up and giving it another go, but then actually realizing the end. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm yeah, not yeah. as cool. As I it. mean, one of the things that immediately connected with me about that is, um, like, one of the most popular guys in my high school. Um, he was he took over as like like the second string quarterback. His mm-hmm. mom was a teacher. They live right down the road. Um, his uh, older brother was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know. After I came back to my hometown, like three years after graduating high school, and like he was working at the local deli, um, and they make—I fa- mean, this is Sanso's—they make fantastic Italian stuff. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm not joking. Like, it, it is literally worth the drive to my hometown to have. When are we going? Uh, Sanso's yeah. hot Italian stuff, and I don't know. Like, they're always—they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, my brother would drive back from Baltimore and like buy like four of them just to take back. They're amazing. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're really that good. But, um, but so the character of like, but in school. Like, he was the coolest thing. Smart and funny, and everyone thought he was going to, like, just do everything. Um, But outside of that little world, not much. Well, he's the guy whose school is the best time of his life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've got 60 more years of life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's... I could relate to him in that sense, and maybe that's, like, you know, dreaming of, like, sort of the payback for guys like that than in high school. But, yeah, I, I think... I could see that reality in high school of what that was going to be like. High yeah. school is not the whole world. This is not going to be life. And for those, seeing those people who felt like it was at the time and then waiting for me, like, just wait. Yeah. And but, then they're the ones that, like you said, sort of hung around um, and, and were still there. And not to say, like, they didn't change over the years or whatever, but... That I and that I, I actually see happening. Yeah. I really appreciated that, that he had growth and the show mm-hmm. was gentle with him because mm-hmm. I didn't like. I mean, I didn't have any ill will towards because, like, by the time I was in my twenties, I, I didn't have yeah. ill will about all the stuff that went on in high school anymore. It, you know, I had right. sort of moved beyond it, um, and it was just it was. I don't know. I, I liked that. I was compassionate at that point, even mm-hmm. at that point, recognizing yeah. that like all of us wanted to get out of that tiny town. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so I. I I, I like that his arc and the writers of the show mm-hmm. were kind with him and that they provided growth for him to move, to realize, like, from, you know, you know, he was the, the coolest thing around to, like, yeah. he's going to try to work to get into school. I, I did, like, one of the, 
one of the like stories, one of the stories from my hometown that I, I was tragic when I was a kid is like there's a, a guy named Chris who lived at the, the end of my road and he was, he was an older brother to like my two best friends. And he was like, he was going to go make something in the world. And he got a job and he got himself like a fancy car. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, fancy from where you come from. It was like, it was black and it was like not more than three years old and it had racing stripes and a spoiler and he got a radar detector mm. um and and like and and, and like and no we would it. literally just go look at it right <laughs> and i don't know where he i think he worked at the mall or he worked you know at like somewhere in the university town over um and he only had it for like three months maybe because he, uh, it's not, he's not going to die. Don't worry. Right. Um, but he was like, you know, uh, in the next city over, like at eleven o'clock at night, um, and some guy pulls up behind him and revs his engine, and like this is the moment he's been waiting for his entire life. Mm-hmm. He is going to drag race Seriously. this guy, and he they drag race, and the guy goes to sixty five, and then pops on his light because he's a cop, <laughs> and he pulled him over, and since he was a young driver and his mom had been divorced like uh he like his insurance companies like uh, they discontinued his insurance on his car he couldn't own a car anymore he had to sell that car um and he wow. was ended up like having to get rides from his friend <laughs> to go to work when like a few weeks earlier he he was like literally the envy of the entire town wow wow <laughs> That's your comeuppance, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, right. and he, he like we loved him. I just yeah, like yeah. Th- there's a way in which like I guess what I'm trying to get at, if I can articulate, it, is we as much as we wanted Steve to mm-hmm. realize that he wasn't all that, he was also ours, and we also did want him to succeed to beyond be the yeah. bounds of school or our community. Mm-hmm. Well, he showed his insecurities that you don't see, f- yeah, from the guy who's That's driving the car yeah. right uh which was really quite a cool thing yeah it was quite a cool thing for the mm. um a positive from the third yeah. season absolutely <laughs> so as we sort of wrap up are you guys still excited to see where stranger things go are you going to be a little more uh hesitant going into the next ones and just kind of see where see what happens are you still like i'm all in see where the show goes Hopper's alive and he's buff. So <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Hopper's a big part of the show. They couldn't get rid of him. I think. But yeah, I mean, I also like. I'm not like. He disappeared and we mourned him. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, it's science fiction. We he's didn't see really him kind of... die. Like, he, he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I my hope. So here's a hope. Mm-hmm. Um. My hope is that uh, in like our very connected, responsive world, um, which both requires someone to put together an entire season in like a year, mm-hmm. um, they will also be able to like I, uh, the phrase I use is like look at their own footsteps. It comes from a book mm-hmm. called Born to Run. Um, it's about like tracking people for hunting, but um, <laughs> if they're able to look at the show. Um, and hopefully listen to some feedback from their friends or their, the people that mm-hmm. they sort of look to for advice and say, okay, maybe we, we stepped a bit too heavy or fast in a couple areas. Um, there are some really great parts of what we're doing. Let's focus on those going forward. I am excited. I mean, I'm excited anyway. The, the, only, the thing that I, I – this is what I hope, sincerely, very clearly, that it does not go the way of The Walking Dead. 
I think the first two, maybe three seasons of The Walking Dead were absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Frank Darabont, like, put together, uh, like, a feeling in those, certainly in those first two seasons mm-hmm. that has I, I, I've never been matched. Nothing else has scared me or made me feel unnerved. <laughs> like, and I, I would just, like, weep openly in that show, identifying with the challenges that, that Rick is perpetually going through. It, the show goes so long and they go so many different places that I, I just, you know, like I, yeah. they lose me many, many, many times over along the way. And it goes, I mean, it, it's still going on and mm-hmm. I, I could give a shit, right? Mm-hmm. My hope is um, that especially with uh, a concept and a series of ideas as interesting as what they have in Stranger Things, they will like take stock. I would rather see it be a little more, like, well, I regret this. Um, a little more repetitive than innovative. Mm. Like, because I think that there is a value in our characters coming back to certain challenges at different points in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really like Elle to be in a place again where she has to determine whether or not she's going to use her powers to kill. Um, I mean, like, I, I, she, I, I want her to reckon with that choice again mm-hmm. um, and come back to it. Like, I think that there's room for that to, to sort of cycle back. And I'd rather see that more than let's go to an interesting locale. Let's do it underwater. Let's do it in time travel. Let's do it in space. Let's do it with bubbles. Like, whatever <laughs> that thing happens to be. Um, I, I want to see these characters grow up and deal with the progressive challenges as they go along. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything, they should do two more seasons, four and five, and then probably end it, wrap it up nicely. Uh, and I think that would give us time to develop what is going to be the big thing yeah. that they're going to face, setting it up in season four, season five, then not push it too long. I think part of the problem will be if you think Netflix, it's Stranger Things in a lot of ways. And so they may want to hold on to this property and push it as far as they can, and it may bump up against that. So hopefully, as storytellers, they can fight for, let's tell a cohesive, good story and not drag it out. And you say about the Netflix Stranger Things. Stranger Things was Netflix's first massive original, wasn't it, right? Um, So this is the blueprint for Netflix. Uh, They haven't gone so far into many seasons before mm-hmm. um thankfully they thankfully from a british point of view they haven't <laughs> done the 24 episodes, so episodes in one yeah. season um uh, and they've kept them short and kind of leaving the audience wanting more but um i do wonder like netflix i think and originally they were um, famous for giving directors a certain amount of money and mm-hmm. total license. Right. Uh, and I don't know what what they did with season three, season two, season three, of did they try and rein a few things in? Did mm-hmm. the execs get involved? Did uh, Are they getting involved now? Is there less mm-hmm. um, freedom that they're... Or was there too much freedom? And I, and, um, I don't know... Well, I don't know which way it's gone. I don't know if we'll ever know. Um, but uh, either way, if they, whatever they did, f- the, whatever the execs did for season three, if they can do the opposite for season four, we might be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think they should. And again, I don't think they should rush it. I know we've seen the trailer this um, 
Oh, well, not even a trailer, but a clip, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'd rather... I think we. I don't know if we were talking off air or on air about <laughs> this, and I know it's not air, but I can't get out of my radio days for that. Um, but uh, I don't know whether they. I've lost my train of thought. Uh, what <laughs> were they okay. talking about? Uh, the, With that little clip that they released. Clip they. We hope they don't rush. Yes. Um, so what was I? I, if I just start then yeah you then, see yeah like we saw the clip hope they don't rush if I say if I start there I saw yeah. that so in seeing the clip I hope they don't rush into a June July release and they uh, take a longer time to just get it right um, they seem to be doing that I forget the what's the uh, finance breaking bad. Do, do the the accountants breaking Salt. bad. Salt. No, it's not a soul. It's not a. It's not a Breaking Bad spinoff or anything. But it, in my head, it's um, it's Jason Bateman is the star. Ozark. Uh, oh, Ozark. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, like, everything's just got. Everything just gets like progressively bit worse. worse right? Yeah. Um, that's got to come back soon. Uh, for the third season and they've taken yeah, a while to time. do that yeah. so they can do surely they should be able to do that for here's strange, the thing so I'll, I'll throw this out there um, I want to say two things first of which is um, the I, the first two seasons of Stranger Things are I think evergreen and perennial I think that they will stand alone as things that like our children will watch and that their children will probably also watch as well I think they are <laughs> that good um, and I think they will stand the test of time um, my one worry, so the other path for this is I think like the Matrix path, and I have a very strong opinion about it. The first Matrix is like one of the greatest movies of all time. I, 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 and I, I think I can say that without mm-hmm. argument. Yeah, that's pretty um, uh, More controversially, I cannot stand the second or third one. I have not watched them more than once. I was so... They made them at the same time, didn't they? they, they the they, third, I've only seen once. Uh, uh, yeah. I fell asleep in the second. Oh my God. Um, so bad. But the first one was so, um, I mean, and it was so much different than anything we had ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And Strith got ideas, but nothing else looked and felt like that mm. before since, right? I mean, except things that deliberately copy it. Yeah. Um, and so, and maybe that's just how some level of genius works. Like, you don't think Tron looked like it? No, I'm joking. Well, no, no. I mean, of course, of course. I mean, and I like the first Tron, but it looks I was like joking. Tron. <laughs> I mean, I love Tron. But I think okay. that's your example of. How many years were they probably right. thinking through yeah. that in their brain? Right. Because every shot in that looks so well thought. And that's what I always said yeah. about the second, third one. They just seemed messy compared to the yeah. first well, one. Well, like, from what I've heard tonight, if in doubt, give your first draft to Jeremy. Yeah, that's uh, right. The yeah. second or third draft to Jeremy, yeah. and then he'll he'll sort it out. Yeah, yeah. But the, so the other thing I wanted to say, and this is something I just thought about when we were talking. I like I also think of Game of Thrones, which I haven't watched ever, but I, <laughs> I read about it. I, I actually I watched like ten episodes. Or I watched ten minutes of one episode, and there was like gross violence and incest, and I was like, I not into this right now sorry guys um, not both at the same time yeah it's like right. I, I mean it's like what you know cause people are like it's so good I'm like what is this I mean, yeah. this is like, everyone else is just so weird right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway um, but what I wanted to say was I, I think I, I mean like this is what I wanted to say I think some of what was happening with The Walking Dead and I think a lot of these shows that you can watch um, in as a binger can be released at a time I think the people start off as writers 
because like when you're writing the first episode of Stranger Things, you are or the first season, like you you there is no show. You are creating that show and you're working on it with people. Once it begins to become popular, you then are managing a phenomena, yeah. which I think is a different kind of thing. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at um, a J.K. Rowling's books, one through four are fantastic. The, the the first movie comes out after the fourth book is done, and she writes the fifth one having seen her stuff as a movie, and it just goes, I mean, she's a great writer, and they're okay, but it goes downhill. I mean, like, probably 200 pages could have been cut out of book five, and, and like, like as like thinking about it as like describing a movie that you would watch, it's not bad, but it's not. But she's not a writer anymore. She's managing a media phenomenon, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that that's like and so like I would imagine that part of what I think execs or you know craves would learn out of something like this is you you can have writers that can put together two to three seasons of Walking Dead or two seasons of Stranger Things, but you need other people with you that are, regardless of their talents as writers, are good at managing the phenomenon itself. Because I, I think what those people need to do and uh, is look at the writers and say, and, and be their editors and say, oh, this is a great draft of season three. We're not gonna air this. Um, you need to go, we'll give you another year, right? Yeah, right. We'll, we'll yeah. Put, you, yeah. put you up in a cabin, mm. um, but this does not meet the quality of the second thing. And I think that like there needs to be a flexibility in the uh, production studios to allow that to happen. And also, and, and part of like my part of it too, is like we as an audience, um, need to be like need to be forgiving of people because like like I have I not trying to toot my own horn but I generally say I don't care when the next stuff comes out I want it to be good like I don't I'll, I'll wait two years I mean we waited freaking twenty years for a new Star Wars um, we will I, I will happily wait um, because the things that I like I watch them a lot. And in the you know the, the shows that I show my kids are things that I've seen many many times. I am happy to wait for it, and I think that um, the production schedule and the demand of the phenomena of Stranger Things decreases the artistic quality of what we see in season three. So handling the phenomena, do do you then get a bigger boy in or a bigger a bigger girl in um, regarding the director or the writers? Do you? Well, so, so, I, so yeah. I mean, I think like, so just excuse me for this reference sideways, but so uh, Noel Stevenson, who I really like a lot, is the showrunner for uh, She Run the Princess of Power. Um, uh, and and uh, it's a great show. Uh, Noel Stevenson, um, uh, she's a graphic artist. She does The Lumberjane. She also did this fantastic graphic novel called Nimona, which they option are going to be doing a movie, I think, in the next year. She's young. Um, uh-huh. She's I, I like her a lot. Right. I just read her memoir called, I think, The Fire Burns On or something. It's fantastic. My point is, um, when they put together that show, um, they had writers, directors, and a showrunner. And, and some other showrunners as well, managing the whole bit of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, it was really taxing on her. She talks a lot about it in her memoir. Yeah. But I think that part of the reason why that show is successful over time, and also something like Voltron as well, where you have um, their kid shows and their smaller bits, but you have someone whose specific job is to manage not just like the production of the content in any specific show, like season or mm-hmm. episode, but is managing the release schedule and the creation schedule and how long. Because I mean, Voltron has variant levels, uh, variant. Um, not every season has the same amount of episodes. You know, managing the expectations of the delivery mechanism based on the content. Um, that I think that that is something that I don't know. I think that that's one area that I saw saw was lacking in season three. And I and I would and I would hope 
um, that over time that person becomes like new, like it, it's almost like a new kind of role because it's not mm-hmm. a director, right? It's not someone yeah. who's in charge of the look and, and of, of it and look and sort of feel of it, but it's someone who's in charge of the larger media presence, relation, audience expectation, writer space um, of it. Because it, I mean, that's sort of the showrunner. Yeah, right. concept that's become popular, right? And and I think probably that like the the writer directors of Stranger Things are doing it for themselves, right? Um, the showrunner is, but there's probably the and there's probably also yeah. I mean I'm just speculating. There's probably also executives that say you're our flagship show, you're going to give us something in July, right? And the other thing is, yeah. if you have, I mean, they have this thing. That was a really strange tone of voice. They have this thing where <laughs> they they synchronize like their show with the time of year. Like, mm-hmm. they have the Halloween thing in Halloween and the 4th of July thing oh, in July. Yeah. I'm like, that is, like, signing your... I mean, that is guaranteeing that <laughs> yeah. you're going to be done by Writing a certain point. And, like, corner, yeah. I, I don't need it. I just, like, as an audience member, like, it's cool, but, like, I don't need it. I just want... Good story. But, right, so in the old days, didn't they... Uh, shows they didn't used to be finished when they went on air, right? That's sure, obviously yeah. the one episode Yeah, yeah, was. yeah, right. Uh, so if they... Uh, stamp the flag in the ground for Easter or uh, and yeah. uh, Easter is <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. not a good example uh, Halloween again right yeah. or Christmas um, and then well they get the first six done maybe they should challenge themselves and just yeah. say yeah. alright let's get the first six done we've got two more to do as we're uh, rolling it out so listen, to, people, listen yeah, to what yeah. people are saying and off we go because and maybe that was part of that creative yeah. juices as well because obviously got people going they yeah. did the bottle episode with the other kids that had powers and apparently there was a huge negative response to that oh, coming out right, of season okay. two and so i think Love that it. was a lot of like <laughs> why saying. they said like oh we got to keep these pairs of the main group together you know in right. the third season and see people just want that dynamic of uh, this group of kids and how the, the focus was getting them all back together in that it's a side quest also it's a side quest right? yeah everybody had side quests even yeah. uh, Winona Ryder and Hopper right um, everybody had their little little area so I think they are probably listening but I, I yeah I don't know kind of like we talked about Star Wars last episode there was no <laughs> overarching vision necessarily from the beginning and, and from what I understand they didn't no, off bat, they thought it was a weird little show. Right, at the oh, very, the very beginning yeah, yeah, of yeah. Stranger Things, um, oh. they didn't know that it would have that sort of response. And I also heard that they thought it was going to be uh, an anthology show, so season two would be a totally different story. And oh, then okay. They were yeah. like, "Oh no, we got to keep it." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting things like that that may be hard to gauge but once you realize how popular it is you need to manage your property right yeah manage expectations i want to thank jason for being on our show and being willing to talk to us for so long about stranger things three and uh lots of different third in the series of things oasis <laughs> star wars all those pieces yeah um, we all linked together yeah yeah and bringing um your perspective to it and and stories so uh thanks for listening to the episode and we'll talk more next time